We're in a new series this morning entitled VBS Stories. And uh, there's a few reasons what we're doing here. For the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at four of the VBS stories that are going to follow us through Vacation Bible School. So we're going to look at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And there's a few reasons for that. First, uh, I think it's a, a good way for those of us who will be working in Vacation Bible School to gain a working comfort with these stories. The more we're thinking about them, the more we're reading them, the more they're in our hearts, the more ably we're, we can share them, the more honestly we can share them, and, and the better we will share them because we've been thinking about them. So that's part of the, the reason. Uh, the second reason that we wanted to do this was also because we wanted to redeem these stories to say they're stories of the Bible, they're not children's stories. These accounts are in the Gospels, which were written to people of all ages. And so the lessons in these stories are real lessons. Uh, They're not children lessons. There is, flannel graph has not cornered the market on these stories. And in many ways, as you're going to see, next week is... uh, Pastor Jeff will be sharing with you the woman at the well. I mean, that, we might even say, is not really a children's story. Uh, So, in a lot of ways, these are real stories for us. And if we own them in their lessons in our lives, it'll spill out in the right sort of way. So that's that's my hope. I would say we're going to be in Luke 19 this morning. That's where we are in the book. Uh, But I'm going to, share with you. We've been practicing storytelling, uh, the team getting ready to go on mission. And I would encourage you, if you're, if you're a teacher, even if you're working rec or arts and crafts, if you can gain a working knowledge of the story so that you can just tell it, then, then you might apply it. Or you might, then it's with you. If you can tell it, it's with you. So uh, I would encourage you to seek to read and study the passage. This is 10 verses this morning. I mean, the next week's 41 verses, but this is 10 verses. So this is a good one to start with. Try to get uh, some, uh, some working uh, usefulness to it. Okay, I'm stalling. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. All right, so this is from Luke 19. Here's a story from the Word of God. Jesus came to a town called Jericho. And uh, as he was passing through this town, there was a man named Zacchaeus uh, who was a chief tax collector and he was very wealthy. And Zacchaeus was seeking to see Jesus. But he couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd and because Zacchaeus was pretty short. So Zacchaeus looked down the way that Jesus was going and saw a tree, and he went and climbed up in that tree so that when Jesus came by, he could see him. And when Jesus walked by, Jesus turned and looked up to Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come down here. 
I'm coming to your house today. And when Zacchaeus heard this, he came down and rejoiced with the Lord. Well, as you might expect, the crowd began to grumble. And they said, who is this? He's going to be a guest of a sinner. Well, Zacchaeus said, Behold, Lord, half of everything I have I now give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will reimburse them up to four times what I've taken from them. When Jesus heard this, he said, salvation has come to this house. And remember, he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the story of Zacchaeus. Let's pray about that. Lord, 10 verses, it is not a, it's, but it's not a little story. So I pray, Lord, our own hearts would receive what you have to say to us today. And uh, also those who may be hearers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Zacchaeus, who is he? That's the question for this morning. Who is Zacchaeus? And I'll walk through, I'll end up reading the text kind of piece by piece here. Because I think that is a driving question in the story is who is Zacchaeus? The story begins this way in describing Zacchaeus. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? There's, this isn't a phrase people say, but it kind of is the truth. It's a corollary truth to it. You are what you do. I think for a lot of people, they are what they do. The more you do, especially if you do it a lot, you know, the, even if even you see it in children, if uh, a young uh, ch- kid gets into baseball and he really, like, really gets into baseball, he begins to... Uh, dress that way, walk that way, talk that way, act that way. There's a baseball way of acting. Right? I mean, there, there is. There's, there's all sorts of ways of acting, so I'm not isolating them. Likewise, if, if there's a kid and they're doing really well in school and they uh, are told they are a nerd, there's a strange way that once receiving the label, people find a way of living under it. Sometimes people use labels like rooftops to live under. And in all sorts of ways, we've seen in our lives and other lives how people begin to adopt mannerisms that previously were alien to their experience, but now that they have a label, they begin to adopt the mannerisms and the idiosyncrasies of the label. Because in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, we are what we do. Well, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which means uh, in his Jewish context, he was a betrayer. He was hated and despised. Because here's how, here's how taxation worked in the Roman Empire. Rome would levy taxes on their dominion but they themselves did not collect the taxes. They received the taxes, but they didn't collect them. They would look to the indigenous people 
to collect the taxes. And so they would grab, in this case, a Jew in a Jewish town, and they would make this Jew a tax collector, and they, there was no salary for a tax collector. They, they gathered zero salary. What they received was authority. And so Rome would say, hey, we need this much taxation. How you get it, we don't care. And by the way, whatever you want for your salary, you have the authority to raise taxes to accrue your own salary. So when the tax man knocked on your door and came to garner your taxes, you knew that when he said, here's your bill, in that bill was his Mercedes, right? I mean, if if this finely dressed man shows up with fancy glasses and a big old bling watch, you're paying for it. It was understood absolutely understood that for someone to take that position, they were in a very real sense forfeiting their identity with the community for the purpose of being wealthy. That's what a tax collector was, and that's what Zacchaeus was. Actually, he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. Do you see that? A chief tax collector. And Jericho was a very wealthy region. So Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector of a very wealthy region. The Bible summarizes it this way, and he was rich. That's kind of the bottom line to it all. The Bible uses the phrase tax collector as the label of a category. It's a category of a sinful occupation. I'll give you a few examples. In Matthew 5... When Jesus is teaching about loving our enemies, he says, hey, you don't get any credit if you love people who love you. Even tax collectors do that. That's what he said. That's Matthew 5, 46. In Matthew 18, this is the section which is, if someone sins against you, how do you deal with that? You know, you go with them with a witness, you bring someone else. Um, it says, hey, if they, if they refuse to listen or to show any sort of repentance, bring, them before the, bring this issue before the church. And if they still refuse, it says, have nothing to do with them as though they were a Gentile or a tax collector. That's what he says. That's the mouth of Jesus. Don't have anything to do with them. So they were a Gentile. Or, they are on the outside like a Gentile's on the outside or like a Jew who sold, essentially sold his birthright for money is on the outside. In Matthew 21, there's this parable that Jesus gives about two sons. He says to one son, go do the work, and the son says, yeah, I'll do it. And the other son says, I won't do it. But the one who said he wouldn't does the work, and the one who says he was didn't do the work. And he's saying, hey, which is the good son? At any rate, at the very end of all of this, Jesus kind of is pointing a finger at the hard-hearted scribes and Pharisees and essentially says to them, truly I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are going to enter the kingdom before you. So I guess that's saying tax collector in a good way, but not really. It's, it's backhanded. That's the category 
that the tax collectors sit in. Now, what I find very, very strange is all of those, most of these are from Matthew, <laughs> the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, which is rich, incidentally. To think of uh, every time Matthew writes that down, what it means the Lord has done for him. Well, Zacchaeus is a tax collector, and you are what you do, right? Or maybe he's something else. Verses 3 and 4 describe a different sort of Zacchaeus. It says he was seeking to see Jesus. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He was a short guy. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about he was going to pass that way. That's what it says. He was seeking to see Jesus. Though unable to get a view. I imagine the notion of like Zacchaeus pushing himself through the crowd to get to the front. I imagine tax collectors didn't hang out with Jewish crowds. It's just my guess. Like that crowd of people. If I was a tax collector, probably nothing gained by me going into that crowd of people. But a few bruises, right, and jabs. So this crowd of people around Jesus and Zacchaeus' shortness, he's got to find a different way. And he does. He goes over and he climbs this tree, which... I think is a fairly humbling thing for an adult to do. I mean, I don't think it's immature. If I saw somebody who climbed a tree, I wouldn't say, look at that immature adult. I would think, how did he do that? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there's just, there's something, there's certain things that are perfectly, they're not against the rules of adulthood, but you just sort of become hard to them in maybe a tragic sort of way. I'd like to think one day in heaven I'll climb trees again. But for Zacchaeus to climb a tree, that is, I think we should not just pass over that. The early church fathers saw that as a great act of humility. That here this wealthy man would do what kids do to spy on Jesus. I mean, when was the last time... just, you don't need to raise your hand and tell me, but you've climbed a tree. Can you remember the last time you climbed a tree? I think it was, I was, it was a little bit humbling. And you have to ask, why is, he, why is he even doing this? Why is he seeking Jesus out? And I'm, my guess is as good as yours, I suppose, but I assume that the reputation of Jesus had preceded him. I assume that at some point Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus breaks certain social rules, that he even at times eats with people like him. That one of his own disciples was one. I mean, that is a scandal in itself. It all makes me think that Zacchaeus, despite all of his wealth, is sort of empty. Seeking, there's more to life and he knows it and he can't get to it because he's sort of down this dead end alley. Some certain sorts of decisions you make in life, you want a certain identity, you want a certain sort of 
You want a path to happiness, right? I mean, we've all been down the wrong roads to happiness. Everybody, at some measure, has been down incorrect roads to what they think will make them happy. Some of these roads, there's sort of no coming back from. You know, some of them, you can say, yeah, you know, when I was in college, I once had too much to drink. And, you know, you came out of that alley in time. But some of these alleys are dark alleys we head down where you swear off family and friends. You know, I mean, Zacchaeus has sworn off his people. There's no coming back from that. I mean, I imagine that's how he feels. I imagine it's sort of like Ebenezer Scrooge. At the end of the day, he's sitting on this pile of gold. Right? He has all this wealth he's accrued, and he has no one to share it with. It's the bait and switch of the enemy. I'll give you what you want that you think will make you happy, and at the end will suck your life from you. And I have to wonder if that is Zacchaeus. You know, he's headed down this wrong path, and he's empty, and he's wondering, can this man make me whole? You know, we've seen it, I think, in, uh, these are maybe generic, but they're not really generic to me. I, I have people who fit them. There's um, the girl in high school who is addicted to being called beautiful and gives herself away and then is labeled and cannot come back, right? Some alleys are just really hard to come back from. And don't labels have the power to say things to you? You know, once you're called something, you can live under that like a roof. I wonder if this is a little bit of Zacchaeus. People tend to reinforce the labels, And you see that in verse 7. They're grumbling, going, what is Jesus doing being the guest of of this sinner? The people have saying, this man made his decision. He made his choices. He's made his bed. Now he needs to lie in it. We have a way. We have a fairly graceless way as people of reinforcing, hey, you headed down that dark alley to death. Now you're stuck in it rather than yelling down it, come back. You know, be my heart that our, the nature of our fellowship would never do that, even in its kind of ambient, the ambient way that it invites people. That it would never say to someone, you can't come. Well, <clears throat> So Zacchaeus is a tax collector, but he's also a a seeker. But maybe he's something else. Let me read two more verses. This is verses five and six. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Now this one's a little bit uh, switchy, but but I do think it's worth pausing on. You know, Zacchaeus is a tax collector. That's one way to look at who he is. Zacchaeus is seeking God. 
That's another way of looking at who he is. But another way is to say Zacchaeus is a person who has been, is known affectionately by Jesus. It's really, I know it's a little bit of a switchback of a thought because it's saying more about Jesus than Zacchaeus, but when you know you're known by Jesus, it means something. You see, Jesus calls up to him, hey, this is a strange thing. Zacchaeus climbs a tree to see God, see Christ, but Christ sees him. Zacchaeus goes up the tree so that he might know what Jesus is about, and it turns out Jesus knows Zacchaeus. And more than that, more than simply knowledge, is Christ's apparent willingness to look past the very obvious behavior at the person inside. Hey, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. I'm going to eat with you. Man, nobody's done that for him. And I don't know how long. He's outside. At the very end, Christ is going to say, he too is a son of Abraham. This is, it's sort of like Zacchaeus sold out his lineage when he became a tax collector. And Jesus is reinstating him. I'm coming to your house. I'm going to, I'm going to fellowship with you. I think that invitation is, has the effect of being the redefining moment in this story. I mean, in a moment, and we can deal with it here, in a moment, Zacchaeus is going to be a very different sort of person. He's going to say things that expose real transformation. But this, to me, is the transformational moment, is being accepted by Christ. And here's what he says. They grumble. You know, he's gone to be with the guest of a man who's a sinner, but Zacchaeus stands up and says, I'm giving half of what I have to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to pay them back fourfold, which incidentally was over and above what Jewish law would have required. I'm going over and above to reinstate myself. Now, I think the world would say, whether it's the secular world or the religious world, the world would say you are what you do, which means if you do good, you are good. That's, that's the religion of the planet. Whether it's Judaism, Islam, bad Christianity, Hinduism, it's, if, you, if you do good, you are good. Jesus would say, Seek me and I will find you. That's the gospel. The religion of the world is if you do good, you are good. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is seek me and I will find you. And I have come to save you from yourself. It's very different. And the acceptance of Jesus transforms the behavior of Zacchaeus. That's the direction it works. That's the order that it happens in. Zacchaeus is received into the heart of Christ and is made different by it. Which is the exact opposite of you are what you do. It's you do what you are. 
This is, it's not that the Lord doesn't care about these terrible things as Zacchaeus does. It's not that he doesn't care about sin. He cares very much about sin, but he sees the deeper problem. And the deeper problem is that our identities, that the identities of people have come to live under these labels or these ideas that are so much less than God intends. And he goes there and he speaks a new identity into us. And out of that, transformation takes place. In a way, the truth is, is we do what we are. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you're a son of Abraham. And you're a friend of mine. It's out of that spirit that you're not sharing the gospel if you do it in any other order. That the love of Christ finds those who seek him and save us from ourselves. Here's uh, some VBS thoughts, big ideas. I don't know. This isn't VBS training, though there is VBS training tonight from 3 to 5. There you go. Be there. This is just some big ideas. The big idea of this story is the Lord came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what he did. In a very real way, if you read all of the Gospel of Luke, these 10 little verses actually sit in a pretty powerful place. I mean, he's about to go into Jerusalem. This is sort of the, this is a paradigm account of the mission of Christ. Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And he would affectionately know anyone who would seek him, anyone who would seek him, he would know. And no matter what sort of alley you're down, no matter how far you feel that you are down an identity or down a certain sort of behavior, you don't have to figure out how to get out of the alley to be known by Christ. You have to seek him and he'll know you. And then everything changes. That's the order. You don't have to back out of the alley to know Christ. With VBS in mind, do you think of all the kids that we're going to have, there might be a couple whose identities are already starting to harden? That there might be one kid who has a significant family member who says something about them that is heartbreaking, that ought not to be said to any child? Or do you think in the 200 kids that might be passing through, that there might be some child here who's formulating an identity by what someone does to them or handles them or things they've seen in their home? Do you think of all of those children, there might be somebody who needs to hear, Jesus looks way into you and if you seek him, he will affectionately find you. That's a story. that there's always acceptance waiting for us, right? I'll close with this. It was my goal to not go long today because I've been going long lately. Uh, If you look in the Bible, the word sycamore doesn't show up that often, but we're Sycamore Hill Church. So this is one of the few places it shows up. And so 
especially if you're new with us and didn't travel with us on that fairly long road to Sycamore Hill Church, you're thinking, is that why we're Sycamore Hill Church? And the answer is no, it's not. We're actually, Sycamore is in our name in part due to the heritage of uh, how this church got started here in the Sycamore Room by the Sycamore Tree. That said, if our church serves the role of this tree for people, I'm perfectly happy with that. I am, man, heart full of joy. If the function, when I say the church, I do not mean these bricks. I mean these people. If we serve the function of you come and hang out in our branches and seek God and you'll find him. And we don't care who you are because God is looking for who you, deeply into you. So just come here and hang out in our branches. If that's the case, then we have a very good name and we will have been a very good church. And we get to do that. We get to do that this week. We get to do it the first week of August. You get to do this for the rest of your life, actually. Right? We get to invite people who seek God to know him. May we do that. Let me pray for us and close this. Lord, I'm grateful that you looked past the things that I have done to see a person that, that even I could not see. And that that's not a story unique to me, Lord. It's shared by uh, everyone who is known by you. All of your brothers and sisters, all of God's children. Lord, you have rescued us from ourselves. To all who seek you find. Lord, it's that notion that propels us in the mission. It's that notion that spurs us to share with uh, children in our own communities. Lord, it's that notion that should spur us to share with people uh, to whom you've called us close to, whether it be at work or uh, in our pastimes. But Lord, how can we share it if we don't really believe it or if we don't really know it? So I, my prayer this morning is that we would feel and experience the affectionate truth that you, you came to seek and save us. May our lives be transformed by that reality. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.